Turn with me now to Luke chapter 19. Matthew, Mark, Luke. So, interesting enough, we sang that song this morning, and I I think it's interesting. This is a a familiar text. This is not a a text that is unfamiliar to us. But here's, here's the mistake, I think, that so many of us in the church oftentimes make in this passage is that we see it, we read that text, and we say, oh, that's a kid's story, that's a child's story, so it really has no implications for me as an adult. That's something that we need to have a flannel graph up, and we need to teach our kids. Yes and amen, we do need to do that, but I'm going to tell you, this story is not just a children's story, it has implications for us as Adults, So I want us to read this text together. And look at this. It's the story of Zacchaeus. And we heard that he is a wee little man. And a wee little man was he, right? So we know that. But this story has so much rich theology and rich biblical-centered, gospel-centered truth in it that we as adults need to hear this just as much as kids do so let's dive in luke chapter 19 we're going to start in verse 1 so jesus enters jericho and he was passing through and behold there was a man named zacchaeus he was a chief tax collector and he was rich and he was seeking to see who jesus was but on the account of the crowd he could not because of his small his small stature for those he was short just okay verse 4 he he ran on ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree to see jesus for he was about to pass by that way and when jesus came to the place he looked up and said to him zacchaeus hurry and come down for i must stay at your house today and so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully and when they saw it they all grumbled and they and said, he has gone in as a guest of a man who is a sinner. And, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone anything, I will restore him fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. I think that's interesting as well. We sang that, that song as well. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the morning. God, we thank you for the text and the richness of this text. And God, I just help us to see this as more than just a child's story. Help us to see this as biblical truth that is relevant to our lives today, Father. And we need to submit ourselves to it. Help us in this. We love you in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So Jesus is coming into town, and he's passing through, and the crowd is following him. And remember, they're following him because of his teaching, because of his miracles, because all the things that he's doing. There's, there's, there's hype, and there's, there's a lot of information that's going around about this Jesus, because Jesus is doing so many different things. And so he's going through this town, and a crowd's following him, and they've gathered together to get a glimpse of Jesus, and this is where we meet a man named Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. Now, I want us here for just a minute 
to, to think about this, and we gloss over that really quickly. We just go, oh, he's a, Zacchaeus is a tax collector. I want you to see the implications of who Zacchaeus is and what he does for a living. He's, he's not a good guy. Zacchaeus is not a good man. He is working for Rome. He is, he is in Roman-occupied Israel, and he is working for the Roman government that hates the Jews. And I think if we, if we get this, if we understood what Zacchaeus did and who he worked for, the idea of him being a tax collector is bigger than just, oh, he's a tax collector, and we just, we just gloss over that. He, Zacchaeus, was a Jew who, who has been employed and given authority by the Roman government to tax his fellow Jews. He's taking money from his fellow Jews and giving it to an occupying force that is oppressing them in the worst possible way you could even begin to imagine. Rome was doing things to the Israelites that was absolutely atrocious. They would crucify Jews just to line the streets. They would take, they would take people and they would do horrible things to the Jewish people. Rome was an oppressive force. The horrific and hellish things that the Romans did to the Jews would make the list of some of the worst things that could have ever possibly been done to humanity. So that one of their own, Zacchaeus, a Jew, was working for and in, in, in cahoots with the Roman government and was taking money from his fellow Jews and paying this occupying force was just an atrocity in front of his fellow Jews. They hated this guy. They hated him because of what he was doing. He was doing such evil for them. And on top of taking the money for the Roman government, he had the authority to take more for himself. So he's padding his own pockets as well. He's making his living off of the oppression of his fellow Jews. So it is a horrific thing that he is doing, and no one likes him. Taking, taking resources and money by force from people who had limited resources. He was living high on the hog while others were absolutely in the gutters of poverty. And so you're going to see in a minute, this is why human, by the people who saw him and saw Jesus say, hey, come down, they were thinking, what is happening? You'll see that in a minute. So let's go, verse 3 and 4. Zacchaeus, he was seeking to see Jesus and who he was. But on the account of, his, of the crowd, he could not because of his small stature. So he ran ahead and he climbed up a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. So not only was he employed by the Roman government, this man had a, he was a short fella. So he more than likely had what people call the little man complex. So he, he, had, he had authority, but he was a small guy. He couldn't win in a fight. If he was in a fight fist to fist with a, another man, he'd probably take a royal beating. So what he did is he used his authority from the Roman government as muscle and said, hey, listen, you beat me up, you're beating Rome up, so therefore you can't touch me. So he was a 
little man using his little man complex to bully those fellow Jews into, uh, into submitting to him and to the Roman government. So, because he was a small guy, he, he, he couldn't force his way through the crowd to see Jesus. But make no mistake, he was not looking for Jesus because he was wanting to be freed from his sin. Listen, he was not, in the beginning, not looking for Jesus because he was like, listen, I, I, man, I, I want to be freed from my sin and be, I want to be separated from sin and I want to follow Christ and submit my life to holiness and righteousness and, and, and love Jesus. That's not his idea. He's a businessman. Remember, he's made business deals with Rome. He's a smart guy when it comes to business. He's figured out how to make money. He's figured out how to work the, the angles. And he's seeing Jesus and he hears the stories. He's like, what I need to do is I need to get in good with Jesus. I need to find out who this guy is. I want to know who he is. I want to know what's going on. So he, he was seeking Jesus to see who he was. He's trying to figure it out because he's probably thinking in his head, I need to make a deal with him. I need to make a deal with him. But I need you to understand something. When Jesus enters the equation, everything changes. Amen. Anybody in the room? When Jesus enters the equation, everything changes. Everything. But just because, just because Zacchaeus had plans did not mean that Jesus didn't have bigger plans. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 9 says that we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Come on. Like, listen, every one of us in the room got goals, got plans. But listen, God's sovereign and he's over all things. And you might have a goal, but God is determining your steps. We think we've got our goals and our plans mapped out, but when the Lord Jesus Christ steps in and orders our steps, He He can completely can take us in a different direction. Amen. He can completely take us in a different direction. Proverbs chapter twenty-one verse one says, "The king's heart is a stream of water in the hands of the Lord. The Lord turns it whatever way He wills." This tax collector was about to encounter the king and his heart was about to be turned. How do we know? Because verse 5 tells us so. And when Zacchaeus, I'm sorry, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house. Zacchaeus had plans to try to figure out, but the Lord steps in at just the right time. Just like we talked about in Sunday school this morning, Romans chapter 5. At just the right time, Jesus steps in and what? Dies for the ungodly. He comes after the ungodly. The tone of this verse, it's not a request from the Lord Jesus Christ. He's like, hey, he's not, he's not going, hey, Zacchaeus, if you've got a moment, why don't you uh, uh, come on down for a second? Just uh, if you've got a few minutes, just, uh, just make your way down here. It was not Jesus asking. This was a mandate or a directive from the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was telling Zacchaeus what he was going to do. He tells him, come, hurry, and come down, for I must stay at your house. He's not asking, he's telling. I need you to understand something. Jesus doesn't ask. He doesn't have to ask. He's the king. The king doesn't have to ask. He doesn't have to be polite. He is the king. And before the foundations of the world, this meeting was set up. The God of the universe finds the vilest and the most wicked man in this group. And he tells him to come down. I'm going to come and eat dinner with you. Doesn't that sound like something Jesus would do? 
takes the vilest, the most depraved, the most nasty, and says, listen, I want to eat with you. I want to eat with you. This, this man's life was about to be changed forever. And this is such an encouragement to me. And it should be an encouragement to you that Christ can and will change the worst depraved mess and turn us into an absolute miracle. Amen? That, that should be, I, I, that's a place for an amen. You can say amen there. Don't worry. It's all right. Now, I, I want to address something that, that, that people often see. They... they we want to excuse being around sinful people and engaging in sinful activities often. And I hear people say things like this. Well, hey, Caleb, wait a second. Because when we have conversations with people that are hanging out with people that are vile, are wicked, are chasing the world, people typically, when they want to be a part of that crowd, will start to come out and say, well, wait a minute, Caleb. Wait a minute, Pastor. Uh... Jesus. Jesus hung out with sinners. So don't tell me not to do what Jesus did. Okay, well, I'm quick to follow up with that. Yes, he did indeed dine with sinners, but he did not partake in their vile sinfulness. Rather, Jesus called the sinner to repent and to trust the gospel. So if you're not actively telling those that are engaged in wickedness to repent and follow the gospel and you're just over there quietly engaging in the same activities you're just as guilty don't and don't use man that's a dangerous place to go is oh jesus did it so i can do it too ah read the text he didn't engage in wickedness he didn't engage in wickedness rather he called those sinful lifestyles out and told men to change their ways and when he hang and when he hung out with the drunks he told them to repent and engage and follow the gospel he didn't engage in these things he calls these men calls these women to repent the women caught in adultery he's not saying well you know what this is something we could engage in this sounds like fun he looks at the woman caught in adultery and says what your sins are forgiven now don't do it and again. Don't, don't continue. Don't do that again. Your sins are forgiven, but don't do it again. So, most likely, if you're engaging in what you're, those people are engaging in and you're not calling them to be set free from, the, from their sins and their, and their selves, you're not helping. You're actually hurting those people. So we need to be quick to... You want to be like Jesus... You want to hang out with people that aren't godly? I'm telling you, it's going to be a problem. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 or 15 verse 33, I believe it is, says be not deceived. Be not deceived. Bad morals corrupt good good morals. I believe that's, I want to read that right. See, I feel like I'm This is what I get for not writing it down and I'm just shooting from the hip. Anybody ever just shoot from the hip? Okay, Joe, you and I just shoot from the hip. It's, uh, it's 1 Corinthians, not 2 Corinthians. That's what I get for. Just bear with me. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. That's 1 Corinthians 15.33. So, when you say, well, Jesus ran with the, with the bad crowd. He ran with them to, to, to redeem them and to set them free and to call them to repent. Paul tells us here, 
Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. If you're hanging out with people that are wicked, you're, you're going to be there eventually. You're going to be with the wicked. You will okay and excuse people's wicked behaviors if you continue to be with bad moral people. Jesus had a different mindset. He tells Zacchaeus to come down. Why? Because you're about to have your life completely changed. And we see in verse 6 that his heart, this, the heart of this sinner was already being prepared in verse 6. So he hurried down, he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. He's already got this work. God's already doing the, the preparation in his heart, softening his heart, and, and he's receiving him joyfully. There's not a hesitation in Zacchaeus. There was a quick, joy-filled response to Christ's call in his life. Now, notice what happens when those who are around him see this. Now, remember, remember Zacchaeus. He's a vile Jew who is stealing from his fellow Jews and paying the Roman government and patting his pocket. So, verse 7, Now, when they saw it, they all grumbled. And he, they're talking about Jesus, Jesus has gone in to be a guest of a man who's a sinner. Like they're not. (laughs) Like they're not. Right? So, The common folk and the religious elite did not like Zacchaeus. Didn't like him at all. Now, when you are in the midst of working to evangelize people who the rest of humanity believe are not savable, people are going to say things like this too. Well, why in the world would you want to talk to him? He's unsavable. She's unsavable. There is no way that the Lord... How many of you have heard people say that? There's just no way that God could save that guy. I've heard that. I just don't know how God could save that guy. Well, could God save you? Because if God could save you, He could save anybody. Amen? If God could save me, He could save anybody. So, they're, they're thinking to themselves, Man, there's no way... They grumbled. He's, Jesus is going in to eat with those icky, nasty, just disgusting sinners. Thank God. Thank God. Anybody else in the room? Romans 5. Back to Romans 5. Oh, that's, man, listen, we, we landed in Romans 5 for a hot minute today in Sunday school and this morning now because Romans 5 has got such good information. What is this, verse 8? Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Woo! Now that's, that's good. Jesus comes in to dine with wicked, evil, nasty, depraved human beings. Yes, that means I'm a candidate. Woo-hoo-hoo! Amen? I'm a candidate. You're a candidate too. Christ comes in to eat with the depraved, wicked. Good. You're in good company. That's what you want. There was no hope for Zacchaeus. People thought that Zacchaeus was too far gone. There's no way that he could be saved. He's a vile, wicked tax collector. He's a vile government agent. Oh, he's nasty. There's no way that there's any hope for him. And thus, they grumbled at the idea that Jesus would associate himself with a man like that. Aren't you glad Jesus came to associate with people like you and me? Aren't you glad that Jesus came to to come in and redeem and reconcile us? 
And then on top of that, the hyper-religious types will always scoff at biblical Christianity. The hyper-religious people in this day scoffed at Jesus because they could not get past the idea that Jesus is God. Luke, in fact, the religious elite, now look, look what Jesus did. Now, once again, this is what the religious elite do. They point the fingers and they say, this is, oh, he's a vile nasty. Jesus is nasty because he is hanging out with nasties. Luke chapter 7, verse 35, or 34. The son of man has come into, come eating and drinking and, and you say, look at him. He's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Oh, thank God he is. Thank God he is a man or one who loves sinners. Now, this, now, I want to be clear. Hold on. Because people say, wait a minute. I didn't know that was the Bible. Jesus was a glutton and a drunk. No, he was not. This text is not saying that Jesus was a drunk. Rather, it's showing that Jesus was willing to associate with people who were less than desirable in the, in the realms of the religious people. He hung out with the less than desirables. And, they, and the religious people tried to pen him for what he was not. The point of the text is that Jesus comes for people just like you and me. Wicked, depraved, vile, and nasty. And because Christ came to die for the wicked man, look what happens in verse 8 of Luke chapter 7. And Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, now notice, the word Lord has a capital L. He is understanding who Jesus is. Capital L means the Savior. He's talking about Jesus. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I have I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore him fourfold. When Jesus changes the heart, it will be revealed in a different lifestyle. You won't partake in the things you once did. And if you do happen to partake in those things, you'll genuinely be bothered by it. I'll never forget Dad telling me the story. Dad was in a country western band, a bar band. And he, he traveled the circuit. He played every dive and bar and, and, and place in Oklahoma, Kansas, and Arkansas. Like he just did the circuit. He was the lead singer and rhythm guitar player for a country western band. They loved to sing Merle Haggard covers and Willie Nelson, and they, they did it all, right? Even wrote some of their own stuff. They traveled the circuit. And Dad got saved that summer afternoon when Jimmy came by and, and pulled that, said, hey, you got a, you got a Bible? Pulled that Bible out of his house. I, had the, I actually have the Bible at my house now from Dad's estate. I've got that Bible sitting at my house. Big black Bible with the word Holy Bible across it. And they put that, I mean, I'm talking this thing weighs 10 pounds. It's like, you, if, you, if it fell on you, you could possibly die. I mean, it's a big Bible. Plopped that thing open. He walked him through the Roman road. And Dad gets saved because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the Word of God was sowed into my dad's life. And he got saved at, at Oak Park Baptist Church over on this side of the, the room. It was in the back pew. He said it was like he was being 
pulled out of the pew. He said, I had a vice grip on the back of my pew because I knew what was about to happen. It was my life was about to be changed and I didn't like it. He said, I was being pulled and I was literally, he went down to the front during the invitation and repented of his sins and trust the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gets saved and he went back to his, his friends that were in the band and he, he, he pleaded with his bandmates, come to Christ, repent of your sins, trust the gospel, You've got, Jesus has changed my life. It's a different story. I'm a different man. I'm a different man. And his, barmate, or his bandmates said, Gordon, you done got religion and it's ruined you. You done got religion and it ruined you. Listen, your sinful friends will mock you when you come to Christ. They will mock you when they come to Christ. And I'm sure that there were those in that crowd who saw Zacchaeus and said, Ah, there's no way. This ain't going to last. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 4, the New Living Translation. I like how this reads out. Because, of course your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do, so they will begin to slander your name. But, oh, what a glorious thing when you've been redeemed by the King of kings and the Lord of lords from your wicked sins... And you're no longer held. Those sins no longer hold you down. Those sins no longer crowd your mind and your heart. Psalms chapter 32 verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose iniquities the Lord does not count against him, in whose spirit there is no deceit. This is what happened to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was, woke up that morning. Think about it. He woke up that morning thinking about how he was going to make his next dollar. How he was going to achieve and accomplish his goals that he had. He had goals laid out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to get here. I'm going to go here. Make this happen. I'm going to, make, I'm going to get rich here. Hey, listen, I've got to go over to the, the Smith's house. I've got to get extra cash from them today because I'm running low. I've got to get some. He's thinking all the things he's going to do. This is exactly Zacchaeus' day. And then he encounters the Lord Jesus Christ. He encounters the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was saved from his wicked ways and set free from his sins. We, that's revealed in verse 9 and 10. Jesus looks at them. He's sitting around the table. He says, Today salvation has come to this house since he also was a son of Abraham. Listen, Father Abraham had many sons. And guess what? You and I are one of them. We're we're part of that lineage. Father Abraham had many sons. I'm not going to start the whole thing again. Right? But this, he's a... And then verse 10. This is, this is the part that gets me so excited is that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's you and me. This is all of us in the room that Christ came to seek and to save us from our sins. He came to set you free from your sins. And how dare you say, oh, I hope this guy hurries up. Oh my goodness, this sets us free from absolutely everything. The penalty of death, the penalty of hell. We do not experience God's wrath. We rather experience God's mercy. Romans 8, 1, 8 verse 1. Therefore now there is no 
condemnation for those that are in Christ. Oh, this is good. I love this snippet from a small... Uh, I got a book this, this last week. Um, it's called The Valley of the Vision. It's, it's, a, it's a compilation of Puritan prayers from Puritan pastors and Puritan um, um, men. I love this snippet. <clears throat> it encompasses what our hearts cry should be towards our Savior and our King who has set us free from our sins. This was the tone, obviously this isn't the exact wording of Zacchaeus, but this was the tone of Zacchaeus' heart. O God of the highest heavens, occupy the throne of my heart, take full possession and reign supreme, lay low every rebel lust, let no vile passion resist thy holy war, manifest thy mighty power and make me thine forever. Thou art worthy to be praised with my every breath, loved with my every faculty of my soul, and served with every ounce of my life. Amen. Amen. This should be our heart's cry this morning towards King Jesus. Is the God I want you to occupy. I want you to occupy the throne of my heart and take full possession and reign supreme. This doesn't mean that God just takes a part of the. Like I love the illustration that I heard one time about a, the filing cabinet. The filing cabinet. There was a man. Who, it was a. It was an illustration. The guy said it was. His life is the filing cabinet. And often what he did is he pulled out on Sunday mornings, he pulled a card out of the filing cabinet labeled Sunday morning. And on Sunday morning, that was God's card. But every other card in the filing cabinet, well, that's mine. That's mine. Oh, that we would change that mentality from God. That little card is yours. But God, the entire filing cabinet of my life is yours. Oh, God of the highest heavens, occupy the throne of my heart and take full possession and reign supreme. Destroy every rebel lust in my life. That needs to be the heart's cry of every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room this morning. So I'm telling you, Zacchaeus is more than just a kid's story. Amen? We've got information here that needs to be dealt with. It, it just does. And when we see this, it's, it's important to see this. So as we begin this morning, I'm going to have... Um, Darren, I'm going to have you come down. Um, Robert, I'm going to have you come down as well and help. Chancey, I'm going to have you come play. We're going to uh, take the Lord's Supper.